Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Survivor fans, we are not just surviving, we are thriving with the power of nutrition. Let's talk about wonderful pistachios, a snack that's not only delicious, but also a protein powerhouse. When I was on that island, I would give anything for a snack to keep my energy levels up. Well, did you know wonderful pistachios are one of the highest protein nuts out there? Each one ounce serving gives you six grams of protein, delivering over 10% of your daily value. Whether you're a hardcore survivor or just need a boost during your day, wonderful pistachios are the perfect personal protein stash ready to go whenever hunger strikes. So whether you're cracking open each nut one by one or enjoying the convenience of no shells, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Outwit, outplay, outsnack with wonderful pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Welcome to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. I'm Jeff Probst, the host and showrunner of Survivor. Each week, I'm joined by Jay Wolf, the producer of this podcast and a Survivor fan. What's up, Jay? Hey, what's up? We are also joined each week by Rick Devins, a former and very popular Survivor player. How you doing today, Rick? So excited to be here talking Survivor, Jeff. Okay, so the show is, we analyze the key turning points of each episode from the three different points of view of the fan, the player, and the producer. So let's get into it. It's episode three, Survivor 45. For you two, what's the headline of this episode? This episode was a roller coaster, but for me, if I have to narrow it down to one theme, I think tonight's show was about loyalty. Oh, boy. And that's something that I know the two of you <laughs> debated, perhaps a little hotly, last episode. Um, and I think we need to dive into it deeper. Emily said in minute one of the show tonight, you don't build trust without a little risk. And we saw exactly that. So I'm excited to talk to you, Rick, about that. And also to talk about that on tribes that haven't even been to a vote yet. Yeah, I want to really dig in on that. How do you build trust out on the island, especially when you haven't voted to verify that trust. And I also want to get in to the devastation of losing out mm. there, what it can do to your plans in the game, what it can do to your emotional state, even physically, when you just keep losing. Yeah, that'll be a really interesting topic because keeping your morale up when you don't get any victories is really tough. And then suddenly that storm, as we talked about last season on this podcast, the rain is a lot heavier and you're a lot colder and you're a lot hungrier versus when you're winning, it's not so bad. Turns <laughs> out I don't need a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> What's it out to you, Jeff, about episode three? 
Well, from the producer's point of view, I loved how we executed the idol hunt with Drew. Mm. And, and we wanted to do this. We knew with the 90 minutes, we have the time to do it. We had Team Flint come up with an elaborate plan of what it would be. But you turn it over to the players and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't right. know if they're going to figure it out. You don't know how many of them they'll need. You don't know if there's going to be a fight for the idol. You don't know anything. So when I see it in the cut, I just marvel, and I know I'm bragging on us, but I do marvel and want to remind the audience, this is not scripted. It's happening in real time in front of our crews, our reality crews, the audio and, and the camera teams. And so they've got to figure out how to cover this, not mm -hmm. knowing what it is they're covering until it happens. And that kind of connects to just in general, Something that gets talked about a lot on Survivor, for good reason, is the cinematography. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's outstanding. I mean, you compare this show to any other show in our genre, any show, I don't care which one it is, they just can't touch our cinematography. It, it's mm -hmm. next level. And that comes because we spend a lot of time talking about the emotion that comes through a long lens or the drama you can get through a wide-angle lens. And are you low or high? Is there foreground of leaves? Or is it a clear... What, you know, what are all those elements? And then when you put those ideas in the hands of artists, it's pretty damn exciting. And I know I'm bragging <laughs> on Survivor, but why not? I'm part of the team. It's my job. No, it's a gorgeous show. And I saw a lot of those comments on Twitter after the premiere. Oh, really? Yeah, including our friend Dalton Ross at Entertainment Weekly gave a big shout out to the oh, cinematography. Cool. Great. All right, well, I'm going to let you two get into it. I'm going to go tend to the fire and I'll see you in a bit. I'm excited, Jay. We have so much to talk about. So let's get right into it. What's our first turning point? The first turning point for me this week is right when we get back from Tribal. It's during the voting recap. Sabaya didn't cast a vote since she still didn't have hers from finding the beware advantage. And Emily noticed. And then Emily being Emily, she brought it up. There should have been four total votes. So that made me think that maybe there weren't four votes. Maybe there were only three votes. Uh, Why, did you not vote? What do you mean? Because I'm confused. Jeff read two votes and then said, Brandon, you're evicted on the second vote, which means there's only three votes in there, right? No, I voted. So why did he call it after only two votes? Honestly, I didn't even notice it until you said now. So Jeff told us last season on On Fire, he's only going to read the number of votes that are necessary. So Emily has deduced here, he only read two votes, which means that was the number necessary. There were only three total. So obviously there's a lot to unpack on Lulu here again, but I want to start here. What is it like to come back from a tribal council and manage all of these people and all of the fallout from what happened? When you set foot back on your beach after tribal council, it's like an explosion because you've had so many thoughts running through your head. First is people were casting their votes. Wow, I can't believe so-and-so said this during tribal. Then when the big <laughs> reveal comes and you find out if you're on the right or wrong side of the vote, you know that you either have to do damage control when you get back and explain to these other folks, this is why we left you out of this vote. This is why you might be a little surprised by what happened. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're not together from here on out. Right. Or if you're like Emily and things didn't go exactly the way you thought, you have a lot of questions. So maybe like Emily, this is your chance to ask everyone together. Get one answer, right? Or maybe you want to go to the people you trust, go to people individually and say, do you know what happened? Because 
I'm trying to get back into this game, and it appears that I wasn't in on the last decision. Right. Yeah, that that's interesting. I'm curious, Rick, and, and maybe we'll talk more about this as the season continues, but is this something that you learn how to do a little bit more as you go from tribal council to tribal council and you sort of learn what the dance is afterwards as well? I don't think there's any doubt about that, Jay. We talked last week about how on some of these tribes, like the Bello and Reba tribe, they just can't imagine someone that they trust, their friend out there, stabbing them in the back. So when that happens for the first time, it's easy to get back to camp and be maybe a little overly emotional, responsive. You're getting angry. You're getting upset. Right. But then there comes a time where you're the one who stabs someone in the back and you realize <laughs> it's not because I don't like this person. It's not because I wanted to make this person look foolish. This is just the way the game works. And so you do kind of gain perspective as the game goes on and you do learn how to deal with disappointments and successes at Tribal Council better as the game goes on. But at the same time, you're getting more hungry and more tired as the game goes on. <laughs> so sometimes the emotional you comes out when you're not expecting it. All right, let's go somewhere where it's the complete opposite, which is Reba and Bella. They haven't had a vote yet. How hard is it to establish trust when there actually has been no way to do so? It's hard to tell if someone's lying if you have no way of knowing if you've ever seen them lie. Huh. Very hard to get a read on somebody. And right now they're in this stage, those four people, Drew and Austin and Julie and Dee, where they feel good because they have two other people they can cut before they even look at each other. But that's a false sense of security because if one of those other people has an advantage and we know they've been looking, then all of a sudden there's one less person to go for. If you do get rid of one of those, then one of those people could be the swing vote between the two twosomes in your foursome. Mm. So everything gets real scary real quickly and kumbaya disappears. But before you have the verification of a vote, you need to be trying to read people. You need to be looking for red flags. And I thought that Dee and Julie got a real big red flag from Austin and Drew when they snuck up on them doing their deeds looking for this idol. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up too. It sort of reminded me of like your two younger brothers who are trying to pilfer alcohol from mom and dad and they think they're like super slick. And in fact, they're like bumbling around in the basement and everybody knows what's up. <laughs> I love that analogy. That analogy is worthy of tribal, Jay. <laughs> All right, well, I'll have to bring it up to Jeff. But yeah, to me, that felt like a red flag too in the sense that these two kids are over here and they're doing something secretive. Dee brings it up to Julie, and I really thought this was a turning point. I've noticed that him and Austin have been having a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together. And then every time we're walking a tree mill walking back, they whisper to each other. I agree with you. It kind of felt like a red flag, and I thought maybe this foursome isn't so strong after all. They haven't had a vote, to your point, and so we don't know if they're going to stick together. I was curious, though, Rick, as someone who uh, was prolific at finding idols during your season, how difficult is it to do anything alone? on a beach or in a, even in a twosome? And how is it not obvious that people are just off looking for idols? At the beginning of the game, every time anyone goes off on their own, everyone else in camp is talking about it. Can you believe so-and-so's out there? I bet they're looking for idols. I bet this. And it happens. But as the days go on, especially at camps like Reba and Bella, where you're not even going to tribal council at night, so you have your whole evening to yourself around camp, you got to live your life. You're going and getting wood. You're doing the dishes. You are looking for idols. And it just kind of becomes ordinary. 
And people understand that, yes, you're going to wander off. And maybe this time I will follow you and see what's going on. Maybe this time I'm so tired, I'm just going to stay here at camp. Or I'm going to take the opportunity to wander in the other direction and look for something. And every time you go out for wood, you're not just going out for wood, whether you come back with wood or not, right? Mm -hmm. So it does become more ordinary in the game that you can find your moments. And it's not always sirens going off every time someone wanders out of camp. So then how much do you actually worry if you're D and Julie here? Because we sort of see this farce continue, right? And Drew starts to figure out if he can cover for himself and his glasses are fogging up and he's falling all over himself. He says, I don't know what I'm doing here. He's like, it's, it's he's like a comic <laughs> book character. I, I love to watch him. And, and then ultimately they decide that they need to loop D and Julie in to this situation and the four of them start looking for the idol. But if you're D and Julie here, if what you're saying is true and it's, you know, it's night seven, night eight, night nine now, and you're looking for this idol and it's become relatively ordinary, is that a, is this an okay thing for them to be doing? I think that if you are Dee and Julie and you feel like you're being honest and open with Austin and Drew and you felt up to this point that they were reciprocating, this is a huge red flag. And you have to understand, okay, they've got something going on together within our foursome. That doesn't mean I have to blow up my whole game. That doesn't mean I have to run and get Sifu and get Jay involved. But it does mean maybe we need to have our own thing going within this foursome. Maybe we need to look for our opportunities to take the upper hand, you know, whether that's developing a swing vote in Sifu and Jay or trying to take the hammer when we find right. it and go take the advantage for ourselves, which I was screaming at the TV. I really wanted Julie and... D when that opportunity came up and Drew and Austin had wandered off, they end up digging up the rope, finding the hammer. Oh, I wanted so badly for them to take that fate in their own hands and get that immunity for themselves. But that would have been a hard thing to do without getting caught, I'm sure. So they're playing the long game. They're keeping the alliance together. They're building that trust, which D says is what she wants to do right now. Get a strong alliance, worry about advantages later. But they definitely have it in the back of their heads that these two have something going on and we need to be on the lookout for it. Yeah, I think all of us know that these two have something going on. We're looking forward to watching <laughs> them bumble about moving forward. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about how Lulu finally won something and got her hopes up and then crushed all my dreams. <laughs> oh, and I need to ask Propes about how he reacts to Sabaya deciding to have a barbecue in the middle of Tribal Council. <laughs> we'll be right back. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. 
Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast, quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash survivor to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash survivor. Welcome back to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast. All right. The next turning point comes at the reward challenge. First and foremost, Lulu wins. Lulu wins. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, let's go. Finally, it's thrilling. It finally feels like they're actually turning it around. Spoiler alert, they're not. Let's go yellow. <laughs> <laughs> After winning the reward, they also win the opportunity to send someone to another tribe's camp and raid it. Old school survivor, tribe raid, you love to see it. Absolutely. There's nothing like stirring up a little conflict on survivor, mixing in different tribes. This is great. I love it. Yeah, same here. I had two questions for you. The first was this. Caleb had the opportunity to go to this beach and meet all of these people. What do you actually know about the rest of the people on Survivor when you've only had camp life with your one tribe and only seen them at challenges? It's really funny, Jay. You actually spend a lot of time around your camp theorizing what these other people are like and what their relationships might be because all you have is that pregame time that you existed around each other but couldn't talk, and then you see them in challenges. And in challenges, you're such an amped up version of yourself. It's like, oh, that's just the angry girl, you know, that screams mm. at her tribe. <laughs> or that's the guy who can't get up the wall. You know, you don't know much about I know these them. folks at I think all. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so when you actually get to meet them and speak with them one-on-one, -on -one, it really is funny to find out, oh, I actually nailed this person right on the head or I was completely wrong about this person. They're nothing what I expected. Mm. So when Caleb shows up and he tells them, listen, I'm taking your fishing gear, but I'm going to leave you this spear as a token of my friendship and, you know, our futures in the game together. Is that a real token? Is that just like a like, listen, I feel bad, guys. I'm not going to take literally everything from you, but I'm going to take 99%. Everyone out there knows that everything anyone does is kind of a game move. So unless you're maybe a Jonathan from season 42 who really used that spear to gain goodwill with your tribe and to feed your giant body, maybe you don't really appreciate and just you're not so, so grateful that he left that spear. On the other hand, if he had taken that spear, if he had spited you, if he had hurt you, 
I think you remember it. So it's less about getting yourself positive as it is, let's not leave a horrible impression for these people. Let's make sure that they're open to working with me down the line. I don't want to burn all my bridges for something that's not going to make that big of an impact in my game. Yeah, that brings me to the next point, which was when Caleb had this goodwill advantage, a new advantage in the game to give to somebody. I thought he had a really clever move when he said, can I talk to everybody one-on-one just to get to know everyone individually? I thought that was really smart. I think that Caleb, we saw it in this episode very clearly. It's like he's so smart. He's so good socially. But that's not something that you can hide on Survivor. So everything he's getting out of it, which is a lot, he gained a lot of information. But he's also putting a target on himself. You saw it back in his camp when Sabaya and Sean said he might be too big of a threat for us to even work with. And you saw it in the Reba camp that he visited where they said, wow, we really like this guy. This guy's great. And yes, I think maybe he did form some relationships that are going to do him good. But he also has people thinking about him already like, wow, what a salesperson. Mm. So every positive thing you do can work against you and vice versa. So I do think it was a smart move to get information, but it also puts a lot more suspicion on you when you've had an individual moment with every single person in another tribe. That makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk about the people who he maybe did create some goodwill with, and I use that word intentionally because he had this (laughs) advantage to give, and he ended up giving it to Drew. This is a cool new advantage, and we're going to talk to Jeff about this. I really want to ask him about the formulation of this thing, but essentially what we learned is that this advantage will restore a lost vote at Tribal Council should you have lost your vote. And we've seen lots of people lose their vote so far this season. And it's a big piece of the game now. And so I thought it's really cool that we're sort of bringing back in this new piece that will allow you to restore a vote once your vote's gone. Yeah, it's a really neat advantage because it makes so many different things in the game happen. First, Caleb has to give it to somebody, right? So that's creating a relationship, but that reverberates, that has waves because now... You know, Caleb did that in secret with Drew. Drew went and told everybody about it. So now people know that Caleb kept something from them. So it can just go in so many different ways. It's also something now that Drew or whoever receives it, you can use it in a variety of ways. Maybe someone that you're working with or want to work with doesn't have a vote and you can make them whole and bring them closer to you. Maybe you want to use it for yourself and you're a little wary of a beware advantage like our guy Brandon was. But if you have this, you're going to be more bold. You're going to take bigger risks. So I love when the different mechanics in the game are something that a player can get really creative with. And that's something that this certainly uh, serves. And I just got to say, when it comes to goodwill advantages, our guy Drew... He, he's really getting goodwill from everybody. I gave him a hard time about how open he is about telling yeah. people about his advantages. Here he comes again. Caleb, did you get anything on that journey? Yeah, Caleb, I got this. And Caleb reciprocates by giving him this. So Drew so far, he's a magnet. People want to work with him. People want to give him stuff. And uh, he's proven me wrong because my instinct is keep it to yourself. He's doing the exact opposite. And it's paid dividends up to this point. Yeah. Between Drew and Austin, they've amassed a small arsenal of advantages. I was curious, Rick, if you felt threatened that someone was coming for your record. (laughs) I feel very threatened because they're on pace to destroy my record. They're they're (laughs) batting a high average. I didn't get anything till late in the game. But you know what they say about advantages, Jay? 
It's not how many you have, it's what you do with them. Right. And we've seen a lot of people gather advantages and then go right out the door with them. I think sometimes it emboldens you when you have this stuff and you play a little more recklessly than you need to. But we'll see what they're able to do with all these advantages that they're collecting. All right. The next turning point was a blow to the chest. We are no longer the Lulu losers. We have been down and out. We've been defeated multiple times over and over and over. And to finally win feels super great. I heard that and I thought, don't say it, Sean. Just don't say anything. Don't jinx it, man. I mean, we get to the challenge. It's this giant 3D puzzle. We've seen this on Survivor lots of times. It's an amazing puzzle to watch. Lulu quickly falls behind. Reba and Bello, as we have seen now several episodes in a row. First question, Rick, is how difficult are these giant puzzles from an actual physical perspective? Oh, they're no joke. Everything on Survivor weighs more than you expect it to because nothing out there is made of styrofoam or cardboard. Like, it's made to endure horrible Fijian weather because that might be what you're doing the challenge in. <laughs> so every time you go to lift a piece, your back is aching. We saw Jake earlier this episode almost pass out just blowing on the fire. Your gas tank is empty and now you have adrenaline running through your veins, but you just don't have the protein or the fuel inside you to kind of keep up with that. The sun's beating down on you. There's no shade. Your fingers are getting smashed. Don't think for a second that it's not driving you nuts. So as, you know, Bruce smashes your finger or Bruce is letting the frustration get a hold of him. Bruce is bruising for sure. <laughs> right. But now you're becoming frustrated with how Bruce is taking it. You can't get it. And Emily's not telling you what you need. Everyone's driving you nuts. Everyone has different ways of approaching puzzles. It can just be very frustrating and exhausting and emotionally taxing trying to get these things done. And the whole time, it's the pressure of, we got to do it as fast as we can, or I might go home tonight. And that's what happens. We watch Lulu lose again. It's the worst feeling. And to tell you the truth, like I, I go through my stages of grief differently. I'm not sad right now. I'm angry. I'm frustrated because I just watched Bello and Reba celebrate their victory because they have no clue what it's like. They have no clue what it's like to get to know people this deeply and then go and then send them home because someone's heart's breaking tonight. And none, none of us want that to happen, but it's going to. I remember that feeling so well, Jay, because when I was out there, we lost our first three immunity challenges. And then we got swapped into the same tribe and lost again. And it's just devastating. It's horrible. The first time, it's a little exciting. You're going to tribal. You're getting rid of someone who's quote-unquote weak. Then the next time, we also got rid of someone who's quote-unquote weak. So each time you think, we're going to get stronger. This is how we're going to win. Mm. But then when you lose again, you start looking at the other tribe and they can cherry pick their strong players. You go, we're never going to win. We're doomed. I've already been through three tribal councils. These people haven't even sniffed tribal council. How am I going to get to the end of this game? It's so emotional. And then it rains on you and you feel like the whole world's out to get you. And then you find a coconut and it's rotten and it's the worst thing that could possibly <laughs> happen to you because nothing is going your way. It changes your whole mindset. And you can get through one loss, you can get through two losses, but when it keeps happening and then you see the other tribe celebrating, 
Yeah. You start to become just sad and spiteful. (laughs) Well, let me tell you how it felt from the couch. Last episode, the last thing I said was, man, I really hope that Lulu doesn't lose again. And then earlier, when Sean said, we're no longer the Lulu losers, I said, man, I hope that Lulu doesn't lose again. And then Lulu lost. And I thought, actually, this is kind of awesome. Because (laughs) the rubber is actually hitting the road now. I mean, how often on Survivor in vote number three are you getting a vote where every single person is a gamer? They're here to play. You could see them going to the end. And I'm looking at four players on Lulu and I'm like, each one of these people has a legitimate shot. And I don't want to see any of them go home. You're not wrong, man. And it gets really difficult for those people in the game. They better be gamers because the easy votes, even though there's no such thing as an easy vote, uh, they're gone. And now you are looking inward. These are the people that I've built these relationships. I've forged these bonds through votes, through shedding blood of our tribe. And now we got to go against each other. So we saw how complicated it got and how many factors came into play as Sabaya goes after Caleb and Caleb goes after Emily, but then Emily talks him in to going after Sabaya. I mean, there's just so many things at play and you're right. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Tell me about that pre-vote scramble. I mean, obviously we see it in every Survivor episode, but what's the actual timing of it like? Like, are you just like looking up at the sun being like, I think I got 40 minutes left before we have to make a choice? That's basically right. Yeah, there's no clock out there. There's no producer saying five-minute warning. (laughs) Like you vaguely have an idea that you're going to leave around sunset and you are watching the sun and freaking out because you need to make sure you have all these conversations. And it's like you want to check in with all the people that you trust, but you also want to make sure that your target isn't checking in with people behind your back. So then you have to swing back around and maybe I don't want Sean to see me talking with Sabaya. So I've got to kind of wander off over here and then run all the way around the island so I can sneak in the back way and have a quick conversation with Sabaya because I need to set my plan here so that I don't have to do that work at Tribal Council in front of everybody. It is a mad scramble and you never know when the buzzer is going to go off. You just know that if you wait too long, it could be your life in the game. And then you get to tribal council and it kind of starts over again, right? Because now you've got to do the same thing, but you've got to do it with coded language. Totally. You fall into this trap where you need to make sure, A, that you're answering Jeff's questions, right? He's there asking everybody probing questions. You need to give him an answer that doesn't give your game away, but it also doesn't convince your allies that something is amiss. You need to be giving the vibe to the person you're voting out that, hey, they're safe. Things are going your way. While also giving the vibe to your alliance that everything we had planned is going exactly as we want it. And if you play too well, maybe you accidentally cause your tribe to react and get nervous and they give the game away. So it's really hard to make sure that you're giving everyone on your tribe the right vibe as you're sitting there in tribal council because they're all expecting different things. And this tribal had so much going on at the same time too, right? Because you go in with a plan and part of that plan, I would imagine, is Sabaya doesn't have a vote. And then all of a sudden she tosses this wax figurine into the fire in front of you and you're watching it burn and you're thinking, I guess maybe she does have a vote. Then she goes to the voting booth and she finds out that if she doesn't vote, she gets to keep that idol until the merge. First of all, If someone's in the voting booth for like more than 20 seconds, Rick, is that a weird thing on Survivor? (laughs) 
I have so many questions, man. Uh, first of all, as soon as she throws that thing into the fire, I got to ask Jeff, can I just grab it? Is this is this open game now? It went into the fire. I assume that's Sabaya's to keep. I mean, she brought the whole toolbox. Right. And then, yeah, once she's in that voting booth, what is on that scroll? What does she know that we don't know? And how does it affect what we've already done because we've already voted. No one spent an odd amount of time in the voting booth on my season. If they had, we would have definitely noticed. Tribal council is not comfortable. Those stools you're on, those logs you're on hurt. And the more weight you lose in your thighs and your butt, the more it hurts. <laughs> you know, so every tribal council is worse than the last. So yeah, we need you coming back from that voting booth pretty quickly. And if you don't, we can't talk to each other, but we're making eyes at each other like, what's going on? Well, Sabaya took the risk. And obviously, ultimately, it didn't work out in her favor. I, for one, am super sad to see Sabaya go. I thought she was an amazing player. I was really looking forward to watching her continue in the game. And it was a real bummer to see this not work out for her. Yeah, I really liked watching Sabaya. And you know what? She's going to be remembered as going home third. But she made it through two tribal councils. There are people still in this game. They might go deep in the game that'll probably go home their very first tribal council. And right. Survivor's just a tough game. It's not It's not always fair. Uh, I'll miss Sabaya. Yeah, me too. I did have one question that I've always kind of had in the back of my head. Whenever you watch someone go home with an idol as an audience member, you can't help but think, if I turned around right now and just tossed it to somebody sitting on the bench, would that idol be in play? So we're going to ask probes about that. We're going to talk about barbecuing an idol and if he had any idea that A, if that was ever going to happen or B, if it was legal when it happened. <laughs> and we're going to ask him about the formulation of the goodwill advantage, all of that and more when we come back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to On Fire, and we are joined again by Jeff Probst, who's going to answer our and your questions about Survivor 45, Episode 3. Jeff, question one. We talked about the loss of votes at Tribal. Yeah. And if that was the game design, to have a three-vote Tribal, and we had another one. And the game design revealed two new ways to regain votes. Right. So talk us through how you developed the goodwill advantage and the new immunity idols that lose power pending these vote risks. Isn't it amazing that this is what I get paid to do? Because it's not, you know, <laughs> it, it sounds so silly sometimes when I hear you talking about it, but literally we get paid to come up with these goofy ideas. And then once you come up with, with the yin, then you look for the yang and, you know, that's what we're doing. Lose your vote regain your vote. So I have my original notes from the Goodwill Advantage. And originally, this is what I wrote. Losers beat Camp Raid. A boat picks up the selected player from the winning camp. On the boat, they receive a note. Inside the note, it's going to say that you have an opportunity to forge a secret relationship with one player. You must give this Goodwill Advantage to one player. It's their advantage to use as they want. And the note will indicate to the receiver that this is a gesture from you designed to forge 
a future alliance. Okay, so now we have the idea of the advantage. This is you're going to forge goodwill with somebody. The question is, what is the actual advantage? So then my notes continue. The new advantage to be used with goodwill, cancel one lost vote. This requires information for it to be useful. So if you know someone has lost their vote, you can restore their vote by giving this advantage to them and earning some goodwill. So that was really the origination of it. And it is the yin to the yang or the yang to the yin, however you look at that, to somebody losing a vote. Yeah, I thought it was really fun to see that get played. And especially in conjunction with the immunity idol, which Rick mentioned too, like the fact that there are stages and tiers and you get to choose how much you risk, but now there's this new advantage in the game that could potentially restore some of that risk. Seeing all of that work in concert is really fun to to watch play out. I thought it did a great job in this episode. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember if it was uh, Team Flint or Matt who added that layer of it's only good for one tribal and then you can extend it. But our, our creative team is, there's so much synergy right now like we've never had before that I honestly can't often remember where ideas originate unless, of course, they were mine. And then I have it in bold print on my uh, printout. <laughs> and highlighted, I will And know. highlighted, yeah. Well, I have a lot of tattoos. People don't see. Most of them are just things about myself. <laughs> All right. Next question, speaking of original ideas, is the return of the tribe raid. So what is the process for you and Team Flynn and for Matt when you bring things back? We last saw this a couple of seasons ago in season 43. And then right. before that, it was several seasons before. You know, it's really during the pre-production period. So just to remind people, we look at the show in three phases. There's pre-production. This is while you're casting the show and you're coming up with the game design. Then there's production, which is when you're in the field and shooting it. And then there's post-production when you go home and you edit it. So during the months of pre-production... We often just banter ideas back and forth during our sporadic creative meetings. And we'll say like, is it time for a camp raid? Nah, let's wait a couple more seasons. Is it time for a tribe swap? No, let's have the new era go strong without one for a while. And that's really how it goes. And then one day somebody says, camp raid, and we go, feels right. Mm. That would be really fun. Let's do it. And with these camp raids, what's really interesting is there's not much to raid. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the variables that we're playing with is what happens if somebody gets a camp raid, but there's nothing to raid from the other tribes, you know? So if you're a tribe member, you have to get creative about what you can take. And, and as Devin's alluded to, what you're comfortable taking without destroying your possible future relationships with players because you just decimated them. Yeah, it works out so fun. I love when one of the others visits a camp. It's always just a good time for the viewer anyway. The next sequence I want to talk about is when Lulu lost the immunity challenge. Something stuck out to me. You had Reba and Bella winning. And I think ordinarily you'd expect to hear like triumphant, excited music. And you guys went a different way here. And I thought it worked really well. I have the clip. Reba has it! Reba wins immunity! We're looking for one more! That goes right there! Bella, one piece left! They feel it! Is this it? Hey, 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 hey! Yup, yes, that's it! Woo! That's it! Yeah! Bella! Wins immunity, sending Lulu back to tribal council for the third straight time this season. You're a beast. And the emotion starts to pour out a familiar despair for Lulu. I feel like I'm about to pass out. Take a deep breath. We'll be all right. We touched on this last season, but. 
Can you tell us about how music like this is chosen in post and the choice here to lean into Lulu's devastation when Reba and Bello are experiencing triumphant moments? I'm really glad you asked that because this goes back to point of view. What is the essence of the story you want to tell in any given moment? And in this case, yes, we could have shown more celebration and other victory, but we felt the more interesting story was devastation. As Devinson, you talked about earlier, I mean, losing, losing, losing is very tough. So this is the combination of producers and editors just being excellent storytellers. And imagine that you're looking at this tapestry of images and emotions happening and you go, okay, celebration. Yeah, that's interesting. Celebration. Yeah, that's interesting. Whoa, tears. That's fascinating. Let's get into that because that's what Survivor's about is the high highs and the low lows. We've been seeing the high highs, but what's really tough is recovering from a low low and now they have to go to tribal council again and this is where the story is living and dying. And this comes down to a combination ultimately in post-production with the producers who are out there shooting it and the editors who are now bringing fresh eyes. And it might be an editor who says, you know what? There's an amazing moment with Emily and she's crying. Let's center this story on that. That's how those decisions are made. We have great storytellers. And I I think sometimes, and I know again, I'm bragging, but the storytelling on Survivor is so good that I think people sometimes forget Survivor feels more like a scripted primetime drama than an unscripted show. Yeah. There is no script. This just happens. And then we bring it back home and decide how to tell it and share it with the audience. Yeah, I thought it was really impactful and a, and a really beautiful choice. And, and that moment of Emily putting her arm around Sabaya, I mean, it sticks with you. Yeah, it is those combination of ingredients. If you took out any one thing, it would totally change mm. the feeling of the entire clip. But it, it it was really terrifically done. And we'll move on to the last question we have from Jay and I. More fan questions coming up. We alluded to this, Jeff. Sabaya sadly sent home holding the idol <laughs> that she had just activated yep. until the merge. So first, when she burned it in the fire... Could someone have run up and grabbed it? That's mine. And secondly, <laughs> after she was voted out, is there any way she could have handed it off or given it to someone who was still in the game? Okay, so let's just take it in order of how it happened. First, we never considered that somebody would find this idol and still not have fire and then be smart enough adapting to use the tribal council fire. So when she puts it in the fire, yes, there is a part of me going, this is fair, right? Because all the note says <laughs> is you got to burn the wax. So I gave Sabaya a lot of credit for saying, yeah, there's the only fire I have in my life right now, Jeff, is at tribal when I'm going to vote somebody out. I thought it was really cool. No, nobody can take an, ad an advantage or an idol from any player ever. So even if somebody looks in a player's bag and they find this you know, collection of advantages, they know they have them, that's fine. They can't take them. So nobody could have taken it. But I, and I thought it was really interesting that you then get to see Sabaya. She's just accomplished this amazing goal and she's got it. And she's got her vote back. And then as you all said, now she goes up in the booth and you watch her in real time read the note and realize, oh my God, 
this is only good for one tribal unless I give my vote up again. But because she had gotten the idol, she had gotten her vote back. So it was this great rising tension in the drama. And she decides to make a big time move and risk it, which really you have to, right? Devons, I mean, it's an idol. You, you got to go for it. Yeah, otherwise you did all that and it's done. Right. And back to what you all said earlier, she believes she knows what is happening with the vote. So she believes that she's safe and this is a smart move for her and maybe her alliance. But you don't know what is true until you vote. And once she starts seeing the votes come out, she realizes I've been had. And to your last question, Jay, no, once I start reading the votes, there is no more gameplay. It's over. Mm. We're now deciding the fate. And that means even if in the middle, while I'm reading the vote, she realizes I'm out, she can't reach into her bag and give it to Caleb. It, and people try that occasionally. And I say, nah, you know, you can't do that. The, the idol is dead. Mm. All right, let's get into a couple of fan questions. And a reminder, if you have a question for Jeff, you can write to us at Survivor Shoutout at CBS.com. And we will read those questions, maybe even read them here. The first one comes from someone who refers to themselves as the panderer, which is mysterious. <laughs> but they had a good question. Uh, here it is. Hello, my question for you is, how come Tribal Council looks 10 times bigger this season? Wow. Also, is there something special about the fact that there are seemingly many different huts in the back? Are they for people to hide and secretly watch tribal? Are they there for everyone to vote at once? Am I completely overthinking this? I love this question, and I'll tell you why. Tribal Council is bigger, and it makes me happy that our audience notices little things like that. And the reason Tribal Council is bigger is not because we made a bigger Tribal Council. We, we have the same size footprint, but... We've been studying new cameras for the last few years, and we finally decided to take the plunge and buy new cameras that require much less light. And it's allowed us to light Tribal Council almost exclusively with fire. And that meant we could get rid of the lights we had been using. And by getting rid of those lights, it gave us an extra like 15 or 20 feet that the, mm -hmm. the panderer is talking about in terms of seeing it. And you feel it. And tribal now feels like you really are walking into another world. And that's what the huts are about. There's nobody in the hut. The idea is emotionally, we do want you to feel that maybe there's a village living here right now and, and they are in those little huts or maybe at one time they were in those huts. Obviously, we all know that's not real, but I think, Devons, I'd love to know your answer. The idea we want emotionally when you walk onto tribal is you do kind of feel like you're in another civilization. Absolutely. It doesn't feel like you're on a set at all. I know for our season, we have to walk a long bridge just to get into the center of tribal council. And then you're surrounded by everything. And it is a whole nother world. And it is a scary place to be. All right, Jeff, we got another question for you. This time it's from Julie. She says, hi, Jeff. Love the podcast. Thanks, Julie. Apologies <laughs> if you answered this last season, but when is the last time contestants eat before getting on the barge? Oh. Do they all eat the same thing, number of calories? Devons, why don't you answer that? Walk us through from when you find out the show is going to begin. When do we tell you that? Okay, so we're in the pregame and we find out the night before that tomorrow morning we're sending you out. It, the game begins. And so... The whole time at pregame, you have kind of like a little buffet in the morning of different food you can get. 
Same with lunch, same with dinner. And you get that same thing on the morning of. And you can eat whatever you want. So as many calories as you want, but everyone has the same opportunity. But think about it. It's the morning of Survivor. Your stomach is doing cartwheels. <laughs> you don't know where you're going to use the bathroom You know when that comes up. You're not starving. You haven't been playing Survivor. You've been eating fine. So some people were really shoving it down, knowing that they were going to need those calories. I hardly ate anything because I was afraid I'd get seasick on my way to meeting Jeff Probst and it wouldn't be a great start to the game. It's, it's, you're already making tough decisions before you ever step foot on that barge. Again, though, another great question because it reminds me that our fans really are invested. And Jay, you and I talked about this last season on this pod, which is it's a triangle. It's the producers, the players, and the fans. And sometimes the fans become the player and then they hopefully go back to being a fan. But that's the triangle and the relationship that makes this show work and has helped us continue to thrive for, you know, 23 years and now our 45th season. I love it. All right. Well, that was another fun episode. So as we tee up next week, where do you feel, Jay, as a fan that the story is going? As a fan, the only thing I can think about at this point is that epic next time on. <laughs> it's time for a swap. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the game's about to be wide open again. And I truly can't imagine how they're going to end up. Well, and the fun thing about a tribe swap is they are always random. We don't engineer to redistribute you know, men versus women or a certain number of people from each tribe. They're completely random. And as Devin said, you know, when you were talking earlier, right. sometimes it's it's an even split and sometimes it's absolutely lopsided. It doesn't matter. You reach in and you grab a buff and you are changing your fate. And that brings me to what I'm looking forward to. This isn't a prediction. It's a wish. <laughs> Man, I hope Bruce and Emily end up on the same tribe. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Now that you said it, I think we the people deserve it. What I would be leaning into is, based on what happened at Tribal, is Caleb and Emily. And Devin, you said something really interesting where you said you're looking for paths forward. And so when you were talking originally about Emily and Caleb, and if I can just put my arm around her and give her a little comfort, who knows? Well, look where it ended up. Mm -hmm. Together, they blindside Sabaya. So no matter what, they do have a bond, even if it's temporary, because that celebration of a successful blindside is big. And for Emily, this is the first time I'm a part of something bigger than me. So now when they show up, especially Emily, and she sees it's a swap, is she looking forward to that because she wants to get off of Lulu? Or is she going to think, oh my God, I just gotten some, you know, my feet in the, in, the, in the game with Caleb. So either way, the swap is there to create uncertainty. And that's what we're going to see. And the game will change next week. And we are looking forward to it. All right, that's it for this week's episode of On Fire. Please make sure that you rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, I was going to say on that, that rating and reviewing, I didn't understand podcasts, how helpful it is. It's really important. It really, <laughs> it actually is because it allows you to be seen or heard by more people. And if people don't rate and review it, then it doesn't even get on any list. All right, there's also a brand new episode of Survivor this Wednesday, 8, 7 Central on CBS and Paramount Plus, and immediately following that episode, you get a brand new episode of this on fire. We'll see you next week. 
You can watch Survivor and more on Paramount+. Plus. Subscribe at ParamountPlus.com and use the code SURVIVOR45 by December 20th, 2023 and get your first month of Paramount Plus on us. Must be age of majority to subscribe. U.S. only. Payment method required. Terms and conditions apply. Visit pplus.legal slash subscription for more. Yeah, that's worth it for sticking around. Thanks, folks. <laughs>